listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hi, this is Tim Del Toro. And I'm Lou Angel Wolf, and we are the Grease Gurus. Our show is broadcast every Saturday morning live at WTAN Tan Talk Radio 1340. That's 10 o'clock every Saturday morning for an automotive forum that is flavored with humor and insight. We encourage you to call in and be part of the Grease Gurus show. We'd love to have you, and we will certainly help you find your inner grease. This show is sponsored by Tim's Performance Service Center and beautiful Tarpon Springs at 906 Verona Place. And you can reach us personally at 727-543-1601. Aha. At last, a warm, sensitive, touching story about the close personal relationship between a man and a woman, between a trucker and his dog. Fred, I'm so damn tired of picking you up. I got to Fred. Between a father and his son. No way that you could come from my loins. And how they all took to the road one day for a quiet little drive in the country. Georgia to Texas and back in 28 hours flat with a truckload of bootleg beer. I'll be driving this one. Hey, uh, blocker, blocker. You'll be driving the truck. This is Bandit 1 and that is uh, Bandit 2. <laughs> now, who would do a thing like that? <laughs> you crazy, you know that? Yeah, you know that. Ah, <laughs> yes. Okay, how much money you say it was? $84,000. Universal presents Burt Reynolds. Sally Field, Jerry Reed, and Fred. We're going to really have to cook. I mean, put it on the back burner and let's cook. Is that a 10-4? 10-4. And the only thing that stands between them and an $80,000 prize, Jackie Gleason as Sheriff Buford T. Justice. i got to barbecue your... Bandit, i got a smoky report for you. What's your handle, son? My handle, Smoky Bear, and I'm tail-grabbing you. is Smokey and the Bandit, the story about a lazy weekend in Alabama, Texas, Mississippi, Arkansas, Georgia. Daddy, the top came off. No. We ain't gonna make it, son. We come that far, ain't we? Look, when we say we're gonna do a job, we do a job. Smokey and the Bandit, proving once and for all, it's not where you're going to count, it's who the hell's in back of you. Hey now and have mercy, this is Billy F. Gibbons from ZZ Top, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run to the computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you miss any of our past shows, go to the Nostalgic Radio and Cars archive page. Good evening, Tommy. Good evening, Robert. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Well, happy New Year again, right? 
number two. This is the number two show for this year. You know what? I have to apologize to my listeners and my followers because uh, I have not updated the last three shows. There's a reason for that. I didn't have the program on my new computer. Yeah, (laughs) I like that. That's good. Come on, sound effects. Love that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, so at any rate, uh, since uh, now that Bobby's back in school, he uh, immediately downloaded the app via, I don't know, the Air or something like that or our, our, our Adobe program. So now I can go ahead and upload uh, edit and upload all the past shows. That way I can be up to date for the new year, one of my New Year's resolutions. Thank goodness uh, for Bobby. Yeah, thank goodness for Bobby. I mean, I would be SOL without him. So, little man, if you're listening, I love you. Thank you. And uh, you'll always be my number one hero. Now, speaking of uh, 2018, this is one thing we're going to do. You know, you always talk about resolutions and stuff like that. We've been talking about this for quite some time. And I think what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to put out a newsletter, a monthly newsletter. Now, I've got over 2,000 people on my mailing list. And, uh, and that's not counting the ones that are doubles. And there's probably a few that go back and forth from Gulfstream Radio to the, or Nostalgic Radio and Cars and Gulfstream Motorsports. But I'm going to put up a monthly newsletter, and I'm going to have just some basic stuff about cars and kind of what's going on a little bit. And I might do a feature article. I haven't really, I haven't really decided exactly how I'm going to format it, but I'm going to kind of make it kind of interesting because I obviously want to uh, inform and entertain people. Now, speaking of informing and entertaining, I think it's time for the Florida Car Shows Minute. Because uh, if you want to find out where all the car shows are in the state of Florida, Google flacarshows.com. Of course, obviously, right now, if you've been following the uh, you know, all the car stuff, uh, Mecums is taking place right now in Kissimmee, Florida. Now, we were there Sunday. I was up there Sunday for about five, six hours checking out some of the cars. And they got some amazing cars. Obviously, I always go to the race cars because I like race cars. And they've got some incredible, incredible, incredible cars there. What a lineup. And uh, a couple of cars that are my favorites are the Gas Ronda Mustangs. And uh, I wish I would have had the opportunity to have uh, Mr. Gas Ronda on our show way back in, uh, a few years back. But uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. And unfortunately, since then, he's passed away, along with many other legendary racers. But there was a couple of really cool cars there. Uh, Janowick's car is there. That's a 68 428 Cobra Jet car. And we may be able to get him on the show because I think he's still around. And um, but the, both gas Ronda cars are the first one and the second one. And they're kind of like pre pre funny cars, kind of like. But they're just you know altered wheelbase cars with killer four twenty seven single overhead cam motors and them, just incredible stuff. Some of the other cars that were there, there was a uh, three hundred SL Mercedes, which I thought was kind of cool, unusual for that uh, for that auction. And because um, Meekums generally has a lot of muscle cars and race cars and 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 and, and vintage classics and stuff like that. It's not a big European. Um, car auction kind of guy but although in monterey because monterey is a big european car market um kind of uh draw the he has a lot of very unusual high-end exotics there but anyway so he had the usual trans ams he had a 68 shelby 69 shelby actually it was a 69 or 70 shelby and it's uh one of their feature cars well not really one of their feature cars but it's a car that i've known since the mid-70s it was owned by a friend of mine named mark fisher out of orlando and it was a drag race car and a pretty cool piece. And um, so we checked that out because that car's been around since day one. It's a 69 or 70. I should know this. Shame on me. I remember um, when we used to do autocrosses back with the, uh, I think it was the Florida Shelby Mustang Club that we had. We had a pretty good group, and it was based out of Orlando, Florida. And we used to go to Lakeland International Raceway, and we used to have autocrosses over there. And I remember autocrosses and drag races. And uh, that's kind of how I got into road racing. Uh, or club racing, I should say. And that particular Shelby Mustang was owned by Mark, and he had a real good friend named Wayne. I can't remember Wayne's last name, but uh, they used to both uh, do a lot of drag racing. They were drag race guys. And I remember Mark was running down the quarter mile back at uh, Lincoln International Raceway, and they didn't have much of a shutdown lane. In fact, the shutdown lane was a swamp. So if you didn't shut down in time, you were in the drink. And he literally went in the drink. We all ran down there uh, when he missed the – couldn't slow the car down in time because the car was pretty quick. It was like a – 11 second car back in the day anyway the car was owned by uh um another guy scott and mark matt out of orlando they bought the car from mark or from uh yeah from fisher and then recently the car was bought by somebody else that i happened to stumble across a couple of years ago so i was surprised to see it at the auction kind of an interesting piece um anyway so some of the other stuff that's going on this weekend too the um on the florida car shows dot com website is the 2018 ford mustang roundup sponsored by national parts depot at silver springs the ncrs corvette show which is over at the sun and fun fest uh fairgrounds over in lakeland scottsdale's coming up in a week starts next week actually 
Cavalino, if you're in the Ferraris, that's the 24th of this month down at the Breakers in uh, West Palm Beach. And, of course, the Daytona 24 Hours. So that's uh, your kind of like your roundup for some of the events that we may be attending uh, or are attending or have attended or something of that nature. But anyway, back to uh, Meekums. There was some uh, really interesting cars there. Uh, another car that was on TV, well, I shouldn't say it was on TV. It was in a magazine years ago, and Gap and Roush built this Took a 78 or 79, yeah, 78 Mustang II, and what they did is they stuffed, I was going to say shoehorn, but they literally cut, modified, and stuffed a 460 in there. And the title of the car, and I remember reading the article, it was in Car Craft or Hot Rod, one of the magazines, it was called Sudden Deaths, FD. And um, so it was a 678 Mustang II with a big motor in it. And, of course, you know, when Ford came out with the Mustang II in 74, 5, 6, 7, and 8, they pretty much, like, which was a glorified Pino, they just ruined the Mustang. And then in 79, they came out with the Fox body. And then in 90, 70, and 88 to 93, kind of put Ford back on the map with the Mustangs. And they just whomped the crap out of Chevrolet. And then from then on, it's been a sleigh ride. And Chevrolet's been, you know, playing second fiddle since then. And uh, and I'm saying that because it's that's the stats are out there. You know, it's like today. We was talking to some guy the other day, and he was saying, yeah, you know, the LS-powered cars, and they're throwing LSs and Fords. Really, they stopped doing that when the Coyote motor became available across the counter. So if you take an LS motor and a Coyote motor— the Coyote motor actually is, is hands down a better motor. The only thing that Chevrolet's got going for it, it's cheap, and there's a lot of them. A lot of them. So if you happen to be out in a field or in a pasture someplace in Timbuktu, United States, chances are you'll kick up a, a dead Chevrolet motor because there's so many of them out there. But a good Ford motor is probably sitting underneath the hood of some really fast car. Now that's going to get all the Chevrolet guys all riled up, especially since I've just promoted the uh, NCRS Corvette show that's uh, going to take place this weekend as well. Actually, it starts Thursday, I think. Anyway, um, a couple other cars were there. Um, I did a video from over there, and one of the cars that I pulled a video on was one of my favorites. Yes, Chevrolet, believe it or not. Uh, 70Z28. There was a 70SS RS split bumper front end Z28, original paint. And I can't remember what color it is, but it's not marina blue, but it's like a blue. And it actually had a blue interior. And I remember when I was in high school, a friend of mine had a 70SS RS, 300 horse, 350 in his... Um, 70 Camaro factory four-speed car same identical colors blue exterior blue interior you know there's some unique things about a 70 Camaro okay for example the floor pedal is mounted on the, uh, the gas pedal is mounted off the floor it doesn't hang from the uh, from the dash so to speak it's got the longer um, sun visors which is unique to a 70 only uh, it's got the low back high headrest seats the short spoiler although mid-year they they came out with the the taller spoiler which like the 71 two and threes had became available factory 12 volt one year only and it's a 360 or 370 horse um 350 chevrolet solid lifter lt1 motor which is the same mo- actually 360 i think in a in a camaro and 370 in the corvette one of the two i can't remember i get it mixed up but anyway so i did a video on that car and what was really interesting the paint was a little edgy had some checking but fairly fairly original car and uh gaps were good which we call the shut lines just a really really nice car that car impressed the living daylights out of me i thought that was a really really neat car the estimate on that car which was about fifty thousand dollars high, was between eighty-five and hundred grand. I thought that was high because I've seen those cars do a real, real nice one pull probably close to you know thirty between thirty and forty. Nice drivers, you know, just average drivers, probably in the in the in the twenty to twenty-five range. And there were a lot of clones, a lot of copies. But you name it: Mustangs, Shelby's, bosses, lots of Boss three hundred twos, two Boss three three hundred two Cougar Eliminators, one fairly decent car, one a really nice car. Boss three hundred fifty-one. There was a nice one there. Really cool piece. Um, let's jump over to Packards. They had a couple packages there. They had uh, there was an Auburn there. Just really cool stuff. Lots of Thunderbirds. I didn't look too much in the way of foreign cars, although there was tons and tons of Porsches. Porsches are kind of uh, you know like the big deal. And I know I know if Tommy was over there, him being a car guy, he'd be over there and be like a kid in a candy store. Tommy, we got something on the uh, got something on the turntable over there. We can spin around. Now we got a very special guest for you, and um, I didn't give you any clues just yet. But uh, this song might be. So, uh, hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cards. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. And we have a very, very special guest this evening.
listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. We're back, and you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And yes, I'm your show host, Robert. Don't forget to tell all your friends every Tuesday night for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports right here on the Talk Radio Network in downtown Clearwater. Now, as I was talking earlier, I'm talking a little bit about some of the cars that were at Mecums this weekend. And uh, we were on the stage. Now, we were there to see that the auction started, I believe, Friday, Saturday, but we were there Thursday, uh, Sunday. Okay, so there's, you know, the, the thing about going early in the week, if you can make it, you know, a couple times during the week, it's great. But I've got a real tough schedule so and real busy because we got the uh, Ford thing, the Ford uh, roundup this weekend. Got to work during the week, and then I think I'm going to try to make it to the Corvette uh, show this weekend also. That's in Lakeland on sa- Sunday. Nonetheless, um, if you get there early in the week, you get to see all the cars. If you show up there in the latter part of the week, let's say like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you get to see the cream of the crop cars, all the best of the best. But a lot of the cars are already gone because they've been bought and sold, and a lot of the cars are already picked up. So that's why it's kind of cool to get there early and check out a lot of the stuff. And now think about it. they got 3,200-plus cars going through their auction over the nine-day period. That's an average of 330, 40 cars a day that they've got to run across the block starting at 9 o'clock, ending somewhere around 7 or 8. And uh, each car is allocated three minutes on the block. That's typically how it is done. Now, think about this. Now, let's say you're the seller. You're the seller of the car, right? So three minutes just seems like, wow, that's just a really short time. I wish my car would have sat up there more on the block and, you know, would have just kept right on going. For the buyer, on the other hand, it's uh, like, oh, man, come on, come on. It's agonizing because he's trying to buy the thing. He wants the, 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 the bidding to end because he wants to go home with a brand-new car that he can put in his garage and take to car shows on the weekend. So, you know, it's kind of fun. And uh, so when you're sitting there, you know, from a, as, a, as, a, uh, as a spectator, so to speak, you know, you kind of watch the people and you can see all the emotions. And that's one of the things that I always think is kind of interesting, particularly when you're walking through the uh, tents, you know. And we were there until actually my friend Nihad, who was on our show last week, Mr. Bitcoin, in case he's tuned in tonight. Don't forget to check out his website at info on info Bitcoin, Bitcoin on info, info on Bitcoin.com, something like that. Anyway, you know, cryptocurrency. We'll talk about that another day. Uh, some guy just – there was a video I just got. Uh, some guy just bought a uh, Hurricane or Lamborghini um, on, with, with using cryptocurrency, and I think he paid – you know, cryptocurrency money-wise, paid uh, some crazy amount of money. And then uh, I forget how many tens of thousands it was, but uh, in actual real money, what he had invested in since he bought cryptocurrency years ago was something like 150 bucks. So he bought a Lamborghini for 150 bucks. Anyway, another story, another day, another subject. At any rate, um, so when you walk into, we, we actually were there kind of late looking at all the cars, so they didn't really bother us. You know, we're media, we're media credentialed and stuff, so they know that we're not going to mess with any. But there was just a lot of really cool cars, and it is. It's like a giant car show, and it's almost a trip le- down uh, memory lane, you know, particularly for me, because a lot of the cars, I remember these cars back in the 70s when they were, some of them just a few years old, you know, anything that was 70, because I started driving in 72. But I remember these cars as a kid growing up with them, like any kid back in the day. You know, you couldn't wait to get to a car dealership, you know, and glue your nose to the window, particularly on a Sunday, because after church, that's what we always did. We drove by the car lots just looking to see what was around. My dad would at least let me do that, even though he wasn't a car guy. But he, he would let me get out of the car while he was sitting in the parking lot with mom and my sis. And uh, I'd go, you know, slobbering all over the windows looking at all the new cars. Did you ever do that, Tommy? Because your dad all was. All the time. All the time. Yeah, your dad was a car dealer, too, right? 
So yeah, uh, that's correct. That's right. See, so uh, but anyway, so that was kind of the fun thing to do back in the day. So you know whether and there was a couple of really nice Roadrunners there, a couple of GTXs, Coke bottled bodies we call those. That's a sixty-eight to seventy cars, which are some of my favorite B bodies. A couple of Challengers. And speaking of Challengers, there was two really exciting cars there. Um, one Cuda. 70, one co- and one Challenger, both 70 cars, both four speeds, both pilot cars. And what a pilot car is, is it's generally like the pre-car that's like the, um, um, let's say, for example, Chrysler introduced the new E-bodies, okay, which have been in the Cudas and the, and the Challengers in 1970. What they did is they sent out a kind of a promotional car, a pre-built car, pre-production car, but it had pretty much everything on it, but generally a loaded car. And that's a car they sent around kind of like the various dealerships to kind of gauge the feedback of, you know, in the interest of uh, potential buyers. And they generally build these cars like around September, October of 69 for a 70 model year car. So they had two of those there. Both those cars had estimates over $1 million dollars. Now, back in the early 2000s, 2005, 2006, people were actually paying. I was standing next to a guy at one of the, I think it was RM auction, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he had bought a number of, bought and sold a number of e-body Cudas, Hemi Cudas. And um, these cars weren't Hemi cars. They were just 446 pack cars. But at any rate, they're rare and they're pilot cars. So there's a premium for those, obviously. And they were fairly original cars. I think the outsides had some paint work, but the inside was pretty, uh, pretty original. And um, so they were just, uh, you know, they were there. They are uh, just amazing cars, and somebody's going to wind up some pretty cool cars in their collection. So, but anyway, so you need to go over there and check out some of the really amazing cars. So whether you're into 63 Galaxy, 63 and a half, 427 cars, whether you're into 409 Chevrolets, whether you're into Pontiac Trans Ams, and there was a bunch of those there, whether you're into 67 Grand Prix convertibles. And uh, there was one or two of those there, too. But at any rate, there was a lot of stuff there. So really, truly, when they say there's something there for everybody, there really is something there for everybody. So uh, especially from the United, from you know, American-made stuff. I mean, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s stuff. There was just lots and lots of it. And the neat thing about it is all assorted colors and flavors, as they say. So Tommy, I think it's time to go ahead and uh, throw another taunt, 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 song on the turntable. And let's get our uh, special guest for the evening on. And uh, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. Here's another clue.
I see your driver's license, miss? All right. <laughs> Listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Ah, woo! Good God, woo! Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest of the evening. Now, that clip was a uh, a special section of the uh, movie. It was called uh, Hot Rod. I think the movie came out in like '78, '79. It was just just kind of a cool movie. So if you get a chance, look it up. It's on YouTube, and it's just uh, kind of an old school, old style hot rod movie. But anyway. Our special guest for the evening, she, yes, ladies and gentlemen, she is, uh, let's just say, the quintessential car girl, bike girl. And uh, she can be seen almost every week on TV. And she's on Barrett Jackson quite frequently, but she's also one of the three girls that host the All Girls Garage TV show on Velocity every week. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening the lovely and always congenial Miss Christy Lee. Christy, are you there? Hey, yeah, what's up, Robert? How are you? Pretty good. So, Happy New Year to you. You as well. You as well. Thank you. Now, are you uh, now? You're from Florida, or you grew up in Florida, right? But I think uh, you live in Michigan now. That's correct. Yes, uh, I'm actually from Daytona Beach originally, and I've been in Michigan for about 13 years now. Okay. Well, now I was reading just about on, just about an hour north of Detroit. Just about <laughs> an hour north of Detroit. Okay, so that would be like around Milford. Uh, that area, Waterford? A little, bit, a little bit more north than that, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so like you're up like uh, past Novi then, so like say 13, 14-mile drive up that way? Uh, yeah, Novi's a little bit more west from the city. I'm probably a little bit more northwest, I guess you could say. It's about the Clarkson area, so okay. I'm, I'm uh, north. <laughs> north, okay. So give us a little background on yourself. Obviously, you're really seriously into cars and bikes, which is kind of unusual for girls. A lot of girls I know are into cars, but you're into bikes and specifically, I think, sport bikes, right? Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, I've been riding for about 15 years. Um, you know, motorcycles are a huge part of my life and, and have been for a long time. Uh, born and raised in Daytona Beach, so motorcycles, cars, and racing was all kind of you know, it came with the territory, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, on top of that, my dad was a shop owner and mechanic. So, uh, you know, I didn't spend necessarily a lot of time in the shop with him, but I did spend a lot of time around cars. I spent a lot of time at the shop. <laughs> um, and I helped him with some projects when I was younger, nothing too intensive. But, you know, as soon as I turned 18, I, I was hanging out with a lot of people in Daytona that liked to ride motorcycles, and it, I never turned back from there. So, Bikes were a huge, huge part of my life then, and as I said, it kind of, it's kind of what got me in the garage. So start working on bikes for the track and building race bikes and, and you know making repairs on street bikes, whatever it might be, and that kind of translated into working on cars as well. So I've been a DIYer in the garage, and I've been thankful enough to, you know, have some really cool projects to work on on All Girls Garage, and it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me in the. In the four-wheel world, as far as wrenching goes, says that most of my experience was two wheels before that. But, um, yeah, the ride's been great thus far. <laughs> well, now, the um, when you were younger, did you go to, like, the Daytona 24-hour or the Daytona 500? Or, when obviously, when they had Bike Week, they had the, the, the GP races over there. Did you go attend a lot of that stuff? Um, I did attend the Rolex 24-hour and, and, of course, the bike races. Um, not necessarily every 200 religiously, but they used to do a lot of club racing there. So, you know, I was younger when I lived in Detroit, and the 200 at the time was a little bit above my price range for tickets, to be honest. So we used to kind of 
uh, you know, go and peer through the chain link fence at the CCS races, which is like the amateur club racing that's before the 200. Um, but I actually never went to the Daytona 500 until I got, a, you know, a little bit older. Um, just because it's so interesting, the people that live in the Daytona area, you know, you'd think that we'd be so blessed to have all these amazing race-related type events and, and bike week and Biketoberfest and race week and uh, you know, most of us locals actually steer clear of the uh, event really? weekends. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes. So I, I typically would work those weekends. Um, so I was always a waitress when I was younger, and um, you know that was a good time to to make a few extra dollars uh, during busy times in Daytona. And I was going to college at the same time. Um, and then, gosh, I moved to moved to Michigan, and I was you know still twenty. So. <laughs> So let me ask you this. So basically, you're, you've, you've, you've had a pretty good career so far in the, uh, let's just say, motorsports journalism side of the journalism, the motorsports journalism side of motorsports, okay? And uh, so that's kind of like, and I was reading your bio, and you moved to Michigan at, at 20, so there was more opportunities up there in Michigan than there were, let's just say, like in the Daytona area or let's just say up in Charlotte, so, and, and that's what kind of attracted you to that particular area? Um, not really, actually. I, I moved to Michigan to buy and sell real estate, so I moved oh, really? here for completely, <laughs> yeah, completely different reasons. Um, you know, I've I've done a lot of things in in my life, and uh, you know, real estate at the time was was booming here in the Metro Detroit area, and and that's what that's what uh, that's what the drive was specifically to come to Michigan. Uh, really? You know, and I obviously started working in the automotive industry uh, not too long after that, and. Um, I started out really working in the motorcycle industry, covering motorcycle racing and, and off-road racing, um, and that kind of translated, like I said, into uh, into into the world of cars and just finding more opportunities in the four-wheel world. What was your break? You know, when you got into uh, let's just say reporting, motorsports reporting, or with um, you know, motor, was it motorcycles you did first before cars? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say that. You know, I mean, obviously the with the popularity of social media now but i wasn't really kind of involved with that that's so new um back when i kind of started doing reporting and um working as a broadcaster the web webcasts um were really big things so that definitely opened a lot of opportunities for me was uh, you know a chance to get my face in front of the camera but on a youtube channel um that was really really big then and um, I definitely, definitely can attribute a lot of my success and, and my start to starting out covering motorcycle racing. Um, I, I started doing some really, really grassroots racing. Um, and then one of, I, I guess you would say one of my bigger breaks as far as a journalist was covering um, AMA Pro Racing, which at the time was our premier American superbike racing series here in the Americas. And, um, yeah, I mean, I did YouTube videos for them, and, and basically I'd go – me and a camera guy, and we'd head out to the to the racetrack and cover the series, uh, 12 rounds of racing the first year. I think I worked in a paddock. And, uh, you know, interview riders and, and do post-race uh, recaps and, um, you know, like, like lots of story features and, and um, things of that nature. And, and that really got me a chance to get out in the field. And, you know, I didn't have any direction. I didn't have a producer. I didn't have a, anybody else kind of watching over me. So it was really all on me, and it was a great opportunity and learning experience. Um, and thinking back on that now, God, that seems like ages ago because <laughs> it was. <laughs> okay. Well, now somewhere, somewhere, I saw that you were uh, you worked at a radio station. Let me see. It's W Riff up I, in Detroit. Tell us about that. So you actually yes. have radio DJ slash uh, radio experience. Yeah, I do. Uh, 101.1 WRAF here in Detroit. Um, I started working for them in 2008, and uh, I worked there for probably about three or four years. And um, I actually won a contest, and it was to report the traffic um, every day on the afternoon drive, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday. So I started out in radio as a traffic reporter. And, um, you know, that was such a cool opportunity because I, I kind of spun it to be a little bit more than that. So I decided to take matters into my own hands and do traffic, sports, and weather. Um, so it was really fun. Every day I went in there, sat in the studio, did my little reports um, and whatnot. And that was a one-year one year gig. And then I was like, hey, you know, I really like this. I really love the people. And uh, decided to stay. And, man, they put me through the rigor. My first air shift as the official radio DJ by myself was 
the graveyard shift on uh, Monday mornings from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> it was in all its glory. Um, but, yeah, I did that for a couple years. And um, in 2009, I got a gig working for the Detroit Red Wings as their in-arena hostess and for Red Wings TV. And that was, uh, you know, that was a pretty big opportunity as well. You know, it was a chance to be on, you know, a, a national sports league platform and, you know, get in front of a camera. And that really gave me some live TV experience as well because everything that happened in-game obviously was live. My face plastered on the big jumbotron screen. and <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. And, um, you know, the time with the radio was great. And I, I love, like I said, I love the people and, um, you know, I've always been a big rock music fan. That made it even better. <laughs> Speaking of rock music, what is what era of music do you like the most? Because I know in your um, the little message you sent me back, you said you like rock and classic rock. So, and and it depends depends on the era. I'm a little bit older than you, so my era of classic rock would be 60s, 70s, and yours would be what? Um, I mean, I definitely have a massive appreciation for the 70s classic rock era. I think that's when rock really came into its own, and and there's just some epic bands and songs and albums that came out of that time frame. Um, even though the early 70s is a little bit before my years, um, to be able to, you know, be listening to my own records at that age. Uh, but I would definitely say, like, the 80s and some of the 90s rock music is kind of uh, is kind of what I like the most. The 90s kind of grunge music scene okay. was really big when I was, you know, at an age, college, high school. Like, that was at an age when I was, you know, old enough to really appreciate music and really get into music. So um, that definitely resonates with me just because it's what I grew up with. But, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a really big classic rock fan as well. And my time with the radio station at the Riff, is, you know, I can I can lend some much much appreciation for rock music from, uh, <laughs> from my days there. Okay. Now, your dad being a car guy and having a shop and stuff like that, and you being around him from time to time. When you were 16, did you have a car before a motorcycle or a motorcycle before a car? Oh, yeah. Well, you have to be 18 to have your motorcycle endorsement in the state of Florida. At that time, I have no idea if that varied in different states. I assume hmm. not. But, yes, I couldn't get a bike or a bike license until I was 18. And, honestly, at that point in my life, motorcycles really weren't on the radar. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad had bikes when I was growing up. He had a dirt bike, and he used to take me out on the bike all the time when I was probably, like, three years old. The only really real you know, memory I have of that is honestly from photos that my mom took. So I don't really, it was too young. Okay. Um, but that was in my blood at a very early age. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I started hanging out with people in the bike scene in Daytona and I was like, man, I, I need one of these. Like I, I have to add this to my life. But yeah, when I was 16, um, I, my dad, uh, my dad helped me, helped me get a car when I was 15 years old. And, uh, it wasn't exactly what I had, um, <laughs> had planned as a teenager. My dad actually had a really, really awesome uh, BMW 2002. I don't know if you're a big, uh, big oh yes, I am. I've had a fan. Okay, so I've had a few of those over you the know, years. All right, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. So yes. it wasn't a 2002; it was a 1600. But he had put a lot of like the 2002 features and upgrades, like uh -huh. the front grille, the headlights, some engine components. Um, that was what he was working towards with that car. So it was definitely an all-custom build. And that car sat in my garage since I was probably 10 years old. And my dad preached about how that was going to be my first car when I turned 16. This is going to be your car. And, of course, at the time, to a 16-year-old girl, that is not a cool car. Well, looking back now, I was like, man, I would have killed for a car like that as my first car. <laughs> Um, unfortunately for me, he never really finished the project. It just never made enough progress to really, you know, make it into anything. It just was, it was basically a shell. Uh -huh. the last I remember of it. So he did sell that. And then I ended up with an 86 Volkswagen Jetta as my first car. That's okay. <laughs> and I think even when I was 16, I was like, wait a minute, dad, what, what happened here? <laughs> well, you know, a Volkswagen is still European, you know, it's not a 2002 BMW, but you know. Anyway. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I can thank him because he absolutely insisted that I learn how to drive a manual transmission. It wasn't an option, and I'll tell you what, at the time, when I was 15 years old, man, was I pissed that I had to go out in a parking lot for weeks on end and learn how to drive this damn manual. But uh, <laughs> looking back on it now, I mean, I, I, I actually, the car I have now is the first car I've ever owned that's an automatic. Um, so I was married to a manual trans pretty much my entire uh, lifespan of driving. 
um, well, good for I you. can definitely thank him for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of bikes, now uh, I know you're in the street bike or uh, sport bikes. How about dirt bikes? Did you do a lot of dirt bike riding? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I've, I've got a little bit of everything that kind of covers most genres of motorcycles. So I've got the sport bikes. I spend a lot of time at the track doing track days. Um, I've never raced professionally or semi-professionally. Um, I've had my race license for years, and I think I've just finally accepted the fact that I'm probably never going to be competitive enough or good enough to race. Um, it's such a challenging sport for people who don't know about motorcycle road racing. Um, I'm not to in any way, shape, or form take away from what people who race cars do, but the physical challenges and <laughs> skill sets that are required to road race a motorcycle are just unreal. So <laughs> um, it's not something that's come naturally to me, but it's something I love. So anyways, I spend a lot of time at the track, do track days. I absolutely love it. I'll never be Valentino Rossi. If you don't know who that is, he's like one of the most uh, well-known, infamous, successful world champion road racers in the entire world. Um, but I love it. And then I've been doing a lot of dirt biking, so a lot of off-road racing. Or not racing, sorry, excuse me, riding. Um, I've got a cruiser. I've got a Z125, a small displacement, little sport bike. Um, but the latest and greatest is uh, mini moto racing. Um, so a local group here in Detroit started this up a, a while back, and it's 50cc small bike. So it's basically what's meant to be a children's dirt bike. And we rip off the knobby tires and put on little 10-inch slick scooter tires. And we race these little 50cc bikes inside an indoor go-kart track. <laughs> oh, really? It's an absolute blast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I actually it? just picked up a second uh, second race bike for Christmas. And, um, yeah, I just finished building it out. There's a couple changes that have to be made to turn it from a kid's bike to a rideable bike for an adult. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's a total blast. Well, that uh, if you're riding on an indoor go-kart track, for one, you got a uh, traction issue, I would think, and that's a very short technical track, usually. So you've got to be mm-hmm. very skilled to be able to whip around one of those and put down some good times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, there's some guys out there that just, man, they just rip. I wish I could ride as good as they do. They're, they're pretty crazy. But, um, you know, I hold my own, and, uh, you know, I have fun, and I love doing it. I'm kind of nursing, like, a shoulder injury from a crash this mm. past weekend, actually. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's a great time. It really is. And, you know, I think probably one of the things that I love the most about the world of motorcycles are the people. So it, it's it's like this family. It's it's so interesting. I can't even describe it. Um, but that's probably what I love the most is, is being at a race event, at a motorcycle event, at the racetrack, and the camaraderie and, and companionship that you gain from that. There's nothing else like it. So um, it's been a huge part of my life for a long time, and I don't see uh, I don't see that going anywhere anytime soon. I actually went and picked up two motor two new motorcycles today as well. <laughs> oh well, okay. So you're you're you're, you're a diehard. <laughs> Where did you get yeah. your license at? Did you go to, uh, like, Roping Road or someplace like that or Barber Motorsports? Or where did you get your license at? My, my race license or my motorcycle endorsement? Uh, the race license. Race license. Um, here, I'm sure it varies um, in certain areas, but here um, in Michigan, the organization that I ran with was actually called Team Chicago. And um, there there's a couple different organizations that do it and that offer pro schools. Basically, the... Um, WIRA, it's the Western Eastern Racing Association. It's the largest national amateur club-level racing series on pretty much dominates the East Coast. Um, they just require you to do some sort of pro school day, and you basically have to get signed off on. So, I mean, as horrible as it sounds, it's really not that challenging to get a race license, um, but you do have to at least exhibit some sort of writing ability and skill sets to get the license. Now, once you get the license, you still would be considered a what they would call a provisional novice if you were to race. So you still kind of have to prove yourself once you actually get that license and you do sign up and register for actual races. They're not just going to, like, let you out there and it's a free-for-all. So they, 
They threw an orange jersey on you for your first three races, so you're like a moving target on the racetrack. Yeah, <laughs> the rookie, the rookie jersey. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> but it's also, you know, it's also all about safety, and safety is of the utmost importance um, in obviously any racing medium, but definitely when it comes to motorcycle racing, because when you crash, <laughs> you go. <laughs> you go, you go. That's right. Have you been to Barber Motorsports? Have you been on that track? I have. I have. I absolutely love Barber. It's one of my favorite tracks to ride, and I'm actually hoping to do um, a track day uh, on four wheels there this year. Um, so I'm going to start doing some some uh, some automotive track days, too. Um, it's kind of a different world, but I think the uh, skill sets I have from road racing the bike will easily um, transfer to the cars, and it actually gives me a, a pretty good advantage jumping in a car already. Uh, Barber's phenomenal. The museum's amazing. The entire facility is top notch. All the people there are also great. Did you uh, do you ever show up there? In the, I think it's in October when they have the big uh, Barber Sports, uh, you know, the big bike thing going on there. Yeah, okay. yeah, Vintage Fest. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've actually I've been there <laughs> probably more than I can count. Okay. Um, it's an it's an awesome event. I was there this year. Uh, well, this past really? year, I should say, 2017. Yeah, yeah. So was I. Uh, I didn't see you. <laughs> oh. Uh, that's because I was actually only there one day. I oh, okay. um, I was uh, in the middle of a 15-day uh, motorcycle ride. Um, I actually rode my, my cruiser from Michigan to the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, and then I rode over to Alabama and then through Georgia, Florida, and then I ended the trip in Daytona. So I clocked uh, just over 3,000 miles, 15 days, and nine different states on the trip, and uh, Vintage Fest was one of my stops along the way. And uh, we had that big old hurricane that came through. <laughs> I was trying to beat the hurricane out, so I took off from Vintage Fest a little bit quicker than I anticipated. But, uh, but yeah, it's a great event. I love it. Let's talk about your 67 Pontiac Grand Prix convertible. <laughs> well, no, uh, I, I, I think that's a great-looking car. 67, first year, you know, that I mean, I shouldn't say, it's kind of like the, a big car, but it's the last year before they put the side marker lights on it. But that's got a really cool look to it. I love the front end on that car, the three little lights and the, you know, the, the hideaway headlights and everything like that. But tell us a little bit about that car. Yeah, it really is a great car. The, you know, the only year for the convertible, it's got the hideaway headlights. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, the blue color is just beautiful. Um, that's a family car, and uh, it's been hanging out in the garage for a while. And uh, this just this year... Um, it, it was looking so sad. I was like, man, we got to do something with this car. So I actually was able to get it down, um, transported down to Florida. And we did work on the car on the show on All Girls Garage. And, uh, you know, my, my main goal having it on the show was to not only make some progress, uh, but to get it running. It hadn't been started in probably 10, maybe 12 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, grandfather's and grandmother's car. And um, unfortunately, uh, grandmother uh, passed a long time ago, and uh, you know, grandpa just he could he just couldn't keep up with all that it needed. You know, an old car like that in Michigan, lots of rust deterioration. Um, so yeah, the car just it needed some love, and and we took care of it on the show, and and we got it running, it fired up, it was great, um, and I uh, accomplished one of the biggest tasks on it, which it needed new drum brakes, and oh god, that was a project. <laughs> Is it a uh, eight lug wheel car, or has it just got the standard five lug? Oh yeah, eight lug. Yeah, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't eight lug stock, but uh, Grandpa picked the eight lugs up at one point, and um, you know he had made that conversion years ago, so it did have the eight lugs. I know that's a desirable feature for that right. car. That's kind of a cool thing. And to be really honest, it was kind of crazy because I've never worked on an eight lug wheel before with that kind of style <laughs> of drum brake. And uh, you know what was funny was that every, no one else in the shop had either so it was like you know it's not really a super common thing and so we we you know we pop the lugs off and we pop this wheel off and we're all just like whoa that's the drum (laughs) so kind of wowed everybody and then uh you know that that moment of of being wowed faded away as we looked at the you know horribly rusted springs and and plates and shoes and What was left? What was left of the brake pads, which was basically just dust at that point. So um, that was that was a big undertaking to get those uh, those new drums on. But we got it done on the show while it was on the lift. We got it running and uh, it's hanging out in the garage now, and it's going to get some uh, going to get some more TLC soon when it warms up here in Michigan. It's just a little too frosty, even with the heater on in the garage. So we're gonna hopefully hopefully uh, get it running, and the the goal is to maybe drive it down. 
Woodward Avenue for the Dream Cruise next or this summer, I should say. Well, that's great. Well, Christy, we're just about up against the clock. We got a minute or so, but now next week you'll be at Barrett Jackson. You'll be uh, hosting or co-hosting there. Who are you going to be working with? Yeah, we've got our you know we've got our normal squad: Chris Jacobs, Mike Joy, Rick Rule, Steve Magante, and uh, Dave Kindig will also be joining us again on the broadcast on Friday and Saturday. Um, you can catch it live on Velocity all week long. We kick things off on Tuesday, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. local time, so that'd be Pacific Standard. And then, um, actually, I think Phoenix might be on Mountain Time. You know, they go back and forth uh, every year. But, yeah, check out Velocity, see when it's coming on in your area. And then um, I think it's Wednesday, actually, that we're going to be live on Discovery instead of Saturday this year. But, yeah, we're all week long, cars, cars, and more cars, Tuesday through Sunday. And, um Man, I'm excited. The docket looks really stocked this year. Super. Well, Chrissy, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio Cars. I'd love to have you on the show again sometime, and uh, we can talk more about motorcycles and finish the uh, part two of the Pontiac Grand Prix, and you can tell us whether it's got a 428 in it, whether it's got a 400, a 389, or whatever it's got in it, and bucket seat consoles, you know, that kind of good stuff. But in the meantime, again, I want to thank you very much. I want to wish you a happy new year, and uh, look forward to seeing you out there. Hopefully, I'll be out there in Scottsdale, too, so I'll come by and say hi and all as well. But anyway, take care. I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports, don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. We can find out all about us. And uh, you know what, guys? There's a lot of car shows. Go to FloridaCarshows.com. This weekend, up in Ocala, Silver Springs, Ford Mustang Roundup, Kissimmee, Corvette Show, Hey, don't forget to check out our website. You can find out about everything that's going on, all the events that we will attend on our events page. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.